Welcome to the other half of FIFO Life podcast. Join me on this awesome journey as we explore what FIFO Life looks like for the partners and families at home. In this positive space, no topics are off limits as we chat to experts in their field as well as the average person living their best other half of FIFO Life. Hello and welcome to today's podcast episode. We have an awesome chat today with the gorgeous Odette. Everything perimenopause and menopause. Um, and it's such an important conversation to have because it's one of those ones that you don't really have around the dinner table with um, your friends or family. Um, so it's a fant- it was a fantastic opportunity to have a chat to Odette and bust some of the myths and give some tips around nutrition and habits. Fantastic episode today. Before we jump in, um, I just wanted to give you the heads up that we have some exciting things happening with My Strong Me The podcast episodes are going to be dropped on a weekly basis and to keep the topics relevant to you all, I would love you to send me messages, DMs, emails, whatever you like to tell me what you want to hear about and who you want to hear about, what you want support with, um, what type of topics you want to hear from a perspective of our FIFO life. So reach out and let me know so that we keep the topics relevant. Um, If you're listening to this, uh, to the other half of FIFO life for the first time and want to connect more and want to get a bit more support, jump on over to FIFO Mind and Body Facebook group. That's a place that um, I'll connect with you directly and can offer a bit more support. Anyway, enough from me. Let's dive in and enjoy this conversation around um, perimenopause and menopause. If you are about to switch off because you think this doesn't affect you, uh, here's a little note. It can start as early as in your 30s. So listen up to the gorgeous Odette. Odette, you're here with us today to chat about pre and post menopause and everything in between. Before we get into all the juicy details and pick your brains on how we can make the most of this stage in our life. Can you please tell me a little bit about yourself and why you're so passionate about this space? Okay, hi. Um, So I guess it started for me at the age of 13 with an eating disorder that, you know, sort of ruled my life for 17 years. Um, It was that, so that was 17 years of self-loathing and really not just ignoring my body, never tuning in, um, you know, hating my shape, all that sort of stuff. And I guess it was during those years, early 20s, that I then went into personal training. So it was sort of started with an unhealthy obsession in exercise and calories. And my first nutrition course was also driven by that. You know, I sort of knew calories, everything I ate, well, minimal anyway, but I always knew exactly the 
the nutrition content of that and things. So it, it started off with that un, it was feeding, you know, the eating disorder was feeding that unhealthy obsession um, through lots of counseling and understanding my body and all that sort of stuff. I did come out the other end, thankfully, and I am fully recovered and it's been 14 years, um, totally eating disorder free. But I then transformed that into, well, how do I actually make this work for me and others? And I started my science degree in 2012. So my daughter was only three at the time. Wow. So I did that full time <laughs> with, with the view of I want to help as many eating disorders, as many people struggling with eating disorders as possible. I want to help because my, um, my experience with dietitians when I was struggling, probably only two or three years into it, you know, they gave me a meal plan. They forced me to eat jam and butter, which were the very things I binged on. Or there was just no mm. empathy. It felt like there was no empathy or com compassion or even understanding at all of where I was coming from. Um, I got that the science, you know, if physiologically, if your body's hungry, of course, give your body some food and you're less likely to binge, all that sort of stuff. But there was just no, the psychology behind it didn't seem there. So I thought I wanted it better. We always try and better what we had, you know, we try and... Um, do better than those that didn't know before us. Uh, but then as I studied uh, and went on to do eating disorder, uh, extra studies after uni, after qualifying with my you know, um, dietetics degree, I felt like this was a space that was probably still too raw for me, or maybe that um, I needed a psychology background to go into it further. Like I just felt like one, one trigger word from me could send someone else spiraling. And I just didn't, I didn't feel capable or I didn't have the capacity to take on that responsibility. And you so sort of understood I, what a fine line people sit at. It's a and, very yeah. slippery slope. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But so that during that time anyway, I, you know, I, I, I've been personal training for 20 years. So I continued all that while I was doing my studies in the um, nutrition space qualified as a dietitian I've gone into private practice and by default most of so I do do um, a couple of days a week at different doctor's surgeries and that's dealing a lot with you know atypical chronic illnesses um, high hypertension type 2 diabetes all that sort of stuff and then I've also have gone on to do sports dietetics but predominantly, and where my main focus has fallen over the last, I'd say, three years of my dietetics is I'm really helping women, you know, be between the ages of 30 and 50, maybe I'm trying to think, maybe my oldest client at this stage is about 55. Um, and that's just the space that I, I'm loving and I'm doing more and more research in that area, purely because of what I've seen and what I've heard a lot of people say, and I go, hang on, but that doesn't sound right. That doesn't have to be that way. So just questioning and then re researching and I've just fallen into it and I love it. Yeah. And so within that space, you've found that um, you're working with a lot of women in that pre and post menopause. Is that the correct wording? And is that sort of the phases? Can you talk to us about what phases fall into to those categories? Yeah, sure. So perimenopause really is peri. Thank you. <laughs> perimenopause, yeah, and that yeah. sort of can start late thirties, early forties already. Ah, it's very different okay. for different females. Just like childbirth is different for everyone. You know, it depends yeah. completely on on our makeup. Um, but then some, 
some people might be in perimenopause from the age of 45. So this is when hormone changes are already starting. The changes are happening. So we generally get a um, quite a rapid decline in our progesterone, which is uh, progesterone, if you think of that as a, it's a calming hormone. So it's an anti-anxiety. And typically sort of on the onset of perimenopause, we'll get a surge of estrogen, which is it's like our body going one last chance at having a baby. Let's just one last shot at it. Yeah. Um, so that, as you can imagine, that sort of wreaks havoc, you know, on our bodies. Yeah. Uh, but that sort of is then perimenopause. Menopause is when there has been a full year of no menstruation. That okay. typically that is then classified scientifically as now you're in menopause. Okay. And how long, and I understand that whenever we sit down to talk about these more complex topics, we yeah. there's when we ask more specific questions, we're talking about a big, broad um, spectrum of where people fit within it. So um, perimenopause can be as early as in your 30s. To, yes. Is there... Is there a sort of a standard right up to, to in your 50s or for the most people? Well, it's lit so sorry, it's literally up until that once there's been a full year of no menstruation. Okay. And that could be different age for different people. That is, yeah, yeah some, some yeah. women might be perimenopausal up until the age of 55. Okay. And yes. then okay. they go a full year with no menstruating and then okay. that classifies yeah. them now as menopausal. Okay, but we no. start. We start um, the well potentially negative symptoms. We could actually start to notice that as early as the onset of perimenopause. Yeah. Now I have heard a figure, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, that it can be like seven years before you even you're getting symptoms before you even get to that um, menopause stage. Is that correct, or is that? Is that a myth? Um, look, that sounds about right. I'd, uh, I'd say give or take. I mean, the yeah. studies that I've done, I guess they allude to that. Yeah. Um, so, look, I'm going to say yes for that one. Yeah. It does yeah. sound correct. Okay. Okay. So with all this amazing knowledge that you have, and I know that we could probably do 10 or more podcasts on this topic and we could dive down into um the rabbit warrens that can help people through this um, phase. But we want to today focus on sort of sleep and stress because a lot of people that are listening um, to this podcast are FIFO partners and managing that sleep um, with their partners away, even with kids and with busy life and also uh, managing that stress are probably two of the biggest sort of pain factors. Um, and a lot of our listeners are in that um, age bracket that we're talking about. Um, so if it's okay with you, I'd like to um, get some of your insight and advice around sleep and um, perimenopause and, and possibly nutrition as well. So what... Um, symptoms do you see if any when you're um, starting to see symptoms that may affect sleep um, so definitely we know that uh, with the decrease with the decline in progesterone um, women can be more anxious more stressed and then with that stress is the actual hormonal 
uh, increase of cortisol, which is your stress hormone. And this impacts directly on sleep. Or even if you can fall asleep, you know, thanks to melatonin, potentially you struggle to stay asleep. And this right. is actually a vicious cycle. And it's not like men per perimenopause or menopause causes it. Um, they actually cause each other, put it that way. So yes, because when which, I, which came first? Is when that I work the, on this with clients, it, it's pretty much like that. So when I work on this with clients, when we look at an eight-week hormone reset, one, one of the modules that we focus on for the full week is sleep and getting that right. Another one is stress. You know, so these are huge things that, and obviously you can, you know, appreciate that hormones are very complex. Yes. So if there's and one thing that's yeah. about, out of kilter, you're only ever, absolutely, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I, and I'm going to come to this um, conversation with a lot of probably the misconceptions, but I know that a yeah. lot of our listeners are exactly like me. So um, as you sort of said before, like sleep and stress and perimenopause and obviously menopause itself, they're all kind of intertwined um, and they can affect um, yeah. each other. And so when you're supporting people through this space, you are kind of looking at an individual and going, okay, well, how can we improve certain habits and nutrition? Can you first focus on how, um, have what habits people can change or include or um, look at to try and minimize I was going to say minimize the symptoms but um, work with them would that be a better or do you actually see people have massive changes in their um, symptoms when they make the right change right um, habit changes again this is very individually based however a lot of the negative symptoms that we perceive that women are experiencing in the western world is western world problems so and okay. this is yes. when i work with women we look at are we getting the basics right yeah. and you know a stressed a stressed woman who's not sleeping well because she's stressed because she's not on a priority list because she's a busy house house mom or full-time work plus you know looking after the family it's all of this sort of thing that doesn't happen elsewhere yeah. And this is why we we can experience such negative symptoms. It's not actually, it doesn't need to be part of that next phase in life. Okay. So what, and and I, I'm asking this question with a smile on my face, because I mm. think what you're going to say is probably something I say to my clients, because as you said, improving habits, whether you're, um, talking about menopause or not some of the things are going to be what you should do anyway but what habits do you think people should look at to include to try and minimize some of these um, negative um, symptoms I mean straight up if we talk you know so let's compartmentalize again and we just go okay sleep well then we're looking at sleep hygiene um, another thing to actually balance hormones and, and is vital is actually balancing your blood glucose levels. Okay. And when we're doing yeah. that and we're making sure we're getting protein, prioritizing protein, every meal, every snack, and we're not having those high, the, the glucose spikes and then drops, we're actually putting our bodies at a better, we're going to get better sleep when we're managing okay. that throughout the day. Yeah. Because again, there's less cortisol yeah. and there's less insulin. 
and insulin is actually the fat storage hormone. So again, okay. it, it actually comes down to, you know, the th- when we watch our diets, and I hate the word diet, but I hear when, what you know, when yes. we talk about diet, yep. it's about our yep. food intake, but I'm, yep. I'm a massive anti-dieter. Yes. Don't even get me started on the rant. <laughs> but when we look at... We'll make a whole other podcast about that together, okay? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> when we prioritise nutrients and we actually pay attention to what we're putting in, and that, that doesn't need to be, you know, I, I can't have that because it's not the best for me. But if we make sure we're giving our body what it needs, we can add in the extras, that's fine, but at least we're meeting our body's basic requirements. Okay. And that's going to yeah. be getting enough protein. And when we get enough protein, there's an amino acid that our body doesn't, it cannot make, it needs to get it from food, and that's tryptophan. Okay. And tryptophan is directly related to sleep quality. So okay. it helps with melatonin which then helps for us to sleep better. And where we get that is sort of from eggs, lean white meats, salmon, beef. So again, when we're prioritizing eggs and even tofu. So when we're prioritizing protein, we're actually helping ourselves with the sleep. Uh, Okay. So my next question, and we've sort of tied it in together, and I think that it, it is hard to talk about habits and nutrition and your nutrition advice separate because they are one in the same and you mentioned um sleep hygiene and obviously what comes with that is um your routine same time to bed same time to wake up making sure you're cutting out the blue light before and you're doing all those things to protect um that sleep time so you're not sitting up on your screen till 11 o'clock at night. And as you said, in the Western world, unfortunately, a lot of the norms are actually doing the opposite in in what we would like to do and look after ourselves and prioritise um, our self-care. So that's sort of what you're talking around about habits. But as you um saying, there's then all these habits around our nutrition, which m- make a, a massive difference in our sleep and feeling better um I think it goes hand in hand but I'm going to just ask when it comes to sleep sorry when it comes to um stress is there different nutritional um advice that you would give if you so a client came in and say was sleeping really well but then had high stress levels would you be looking at something different or is there a lot of overlap in in how you would work with that client Look, there's so much overlap. I guess yeah. it would drill down to, I mean, I mean, let's look at, you know, as you said, habits with sleep hygiene. We'd look at how do we combat that stress? Because we know that increased stress, increased stress increases unwanted weight gain during perimenopause, menopause, and actually is the, I guess it starts the vicious cycle of all the potential negative other symptoms that we can experience. So when we, and this is why when, when I focus on this with my, my woman, we actually focus on stress straight up. That's our number one. And, and the other thing is stress, as we know, we, if people think of stress, because I've often spoken with women, they go, but I'm not stressed. But just because you've become good at coping with stress doesn't mean your body's not stressed. Or if you obsessing about but I said this and what did he mean and what did she say that's stress so all of these still spike cortisol levels so whether you think you're doing okay so this is all still perceived as stress in the body and all then 
that negative, you know, spiral. I think you've hit the nail on the head for a lot of FIFO partners because we get so used to running at at a certain level that, um, you know, our partner's away. So if something's got to be done, it's us that's got to do it, especially if we have kids. And even if they're teenagers, you've just got to get on with it. And that becomes our norm. And I know from clients that I work with that, that actually having that conversation about it doesn't have to be your norm. There is a level that is far mm. more comfortable to sit at than where you currently are. It's just comfortable because that's where you've been for a long period of time. Um, Absolutely. So when we're looking at um, minimising that stress, um, and obviously you sort of said before, there's a lot of overlaps with sleep and and they impact each other greatly. Um um, and you were talking about some of the um, nutrition advice around sleep. Is there anything that tends to pop up um, when a client is um, coming to you with stress, like high stress levels, which is affecting um, their hormones, et cetera? Is there anything in particular that you look at from a nutrition perspective or is it you're looking at a more holistic and going, this is where we need to get to, this is the type of habits and nutrition um, and, as a more holistic approach? I guess it's more holistic. We come, we start outside, are we getting the basics right? And then we hone it in further in. And what once we know that we're getting all the basics right, then we're going deeper and deeper and tweak things for the individual. Yeah. Um, as far as stress goes and stress management, I mean, we know, and there's so much science around it, not nutrition side of this now, but, you know, showing that journaling, making that 20 minutes, just if you've got all these thoughts going on in your mind, you know, you think you're okay, I'll just deal with that later or, you know, jot it down, jot it down, have yeah. your to-do list, have your journaling, actually get some clarity of those thoughts that are racing through your mind. You know, yeah. go for a brisk walk or a nice slow walk make that time prioritize that time it doesn't need to be a full hour at the gym or you know it's just little blocks of time and I have women say but I don't have time make the time you've got to make the time whether it's once the kids are in bed you know just that 20 minutes a bath a bath with some magnesium salt you know in that bath maybe some candles you know just just actually really forcing that and knowing that and it's not like you're going to wake up and go, ah, oh, miracle, I yeah. feel amazing. But this consistent with these little, little steps that you can try and implement, you'll start feeling amazing. Yeah. And, and as you said, straight after that bath, it's not like you feel amazing, but it's a compound effect really, isn't it? That yeah. over time that you're starting to make these um, habit changes, nutrition changes. And as you said, I think that a lot of people can relate to what you said before. I don't have time. But I also mm. say to clients, are you happy with where you're at? If the answer is mm. no, and especially if someone's sitting in front of you with a lot of these um, negative symptoms, then they're obviously yeah. not happy. So you either want to make these changes and prioritise it. And everybody obviously benefits from that. Your family, your partner, um, your friends, everybody, once you start to prioritise it. 100%. One other thing that I you mentioned that I would like to... Um, go in a little bit deeper and I am um, and I know we're both on the same page as this I am careful how much I want to um, focus on this because you and I both aren't a let's talk about weight loss because weight loss is not necessarily yes. um, a good focus 
It's more about creating yes, a healthy agreed. lifestyle. But you said, and I know the reason why I'm wanting to discuss this is I know for a lot of people, when you mentioned before the um, weight gain that can come with this stage in your life, um, can you talk to us a little bit about the science behind that and how, you know, prioritizing self-care and good nutrition should be the focus, not the actual, I want to drop 10 kilos because this is the weight I used to be before menopause. Can you talk to us a little bit about that and sort of where people should be approaching that, not necessarily just a weight loss perspective? Yeah, absolutely. So I definitely come at it, and I think I might have said this in before, come at it at a, let's give your body what it needs. So we're not cutting things out. We're not calorie counting because we know it's not a numbers game. And the focus, as you said, is not weight loss. But as you can imagine, women are uncomfortable and unhappy because maybe they've been doing what they've been doing all their life and they haven't changed anything. And suddenly they've got this this weight gain. Um, you know, so understandably, they, they don't want it there. Some people don't mind and that's up to them. Uh, what we also know is that excess fat obesity is actually inflammation in the body as well so again this just drives it drives further negative symptoms for during that period anyway i mean it drives those negative symptoms regardless and so then when we're looking if we break it down and look at nutrition point i go right are we getting enough good fats because so many women avoid fat or go the fat free this or the diet this hang on do you understand how much good fats your body needs so if we think of fats, that that's the base of our hormones. So if we're yeah. not getting enough fats, how can we even strive for hormone balance if we're not yeah. giving our body the very basics of what it needs? Yes. So we, okay. we start looking at, are we eating avocado fats? Are we getting all those good fats that we need? So that's the nutrition side. Yeah. Um, again, are we prioritizing protein at every meal? Are we avoiding things that are going to just give us those spikes and bring us crashing down again, you know, avoiding, or if you're having that, have it with a good um, fat source or high protein source so that it's not spiking your glucose levels like like that. So it's a lot of, and that's purely just nutrition side again. Yeah. I mean, there's so, so many angles, you know, but that's just yeah, I know, I know, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> I want to know this, I want to know that. Yeah, um, can you? And I understand, you know, once again, you could do a whole podcast on this, but what happens sort of hormonally yeah. that women are then seeing, you know, I, I ate like this and, and didn't exercise my whole life, and now I'm starting to see that show differently on my body. What is happening that is creating that? And um and like I said I know it's very individual because the way a woman's body goes through menopause is different but what's the basics that's happening there so again it could be um, so I mean obviously it's a cascade of things right everything is inter interwoven it could be so the start of the drop of the progesterone which as I said is sort of your anti-anxiety so maybe things that weren't affecting you stress-wise and cortisol spike-wise in the past are now doing that. And cortisol indirectly causes uh, weight gain. So, And then also a surge in estrogen. And then if our liver isn't happy because of, you know, there's toxins in our environment, um, the foods we eat, perfumes we wear, all that sort of stuff. If liver's not happy, um, we find that... So, so when the body's producing excess estrogen 
which it can do often during this stage, and that's called estrogen dominance. The excess would go, so it, the body uses what it needs, and then excess goes to the liver to be broken down and excreted. But when the liver is so overworked, okay, that doesn't yes. get ex, it doesn't get broken down and excreted. It actually goes back through the bloodstream and recycles. So we've got it's wreaking havoc, and we've got double okay. the amount of estrogen that we actually needed. And estrogen indirectly is also causing that fat gain. Okay, okay, that makes sense. Um, and then we're also more sensitive to, so maybe if we always lived a high sugar diet, yeah. you know, our bodies were okay with that. But during this period, we're actually also more sensitive to those sugar spikes. And so we, okay. we don't become insulin resistant, but we're more so than we were before. And this okay. is why it's so important How to again, bring in the protein. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Um, and one other thing that I want to um, touch on very um, briefly, which I haven't given you the heads up about before That's we chatted. Okay. So <laughs> it's just something that popped in my head. The other day yeah. I was chatting to a client and her her friend had, it sounds like, oh, I know someone that knows someone. Anyway, <laughs> her friend um, is at this stage in her life that we're talking about. And yeah. um, like so many of our listeners, their partner um, works away. So there's a chunk of time when they're um, at home. And quite often what happens, depending on when you have children, at this time in our life, our kids can be moving out and moving away. And yeah. so for FIFO partners, what can happen is we have all these hormone changes um, and as you said, how we're dealing with stress and anxiety, we can have kids that are moving out and all of a sudden, you know, the fact that we've all had a FIFO partner, a partner that's away, that's been fine when we've got kids at home. And then a lot of women in this stage are becoming um, empty nesters. And so yeah. what what um, my client was talking about is um, her friend had gone on um, medication from the GP because of her mood. And oh, I no. said, like, <laughs> that's a whole other one. But that's what I said to, to her. I was like, there's a whole heap of things to unpack at, for yes. your friend her beliefs, um, uh, negative stored emotions, what's happening hormonally, um, whole heap of different things. So obviously at this time in life, like I said, her hormones are all over the place. Then she's having this massive lifestyle shift with not having the kids around. And as I said, for FIFO partners, they have a lot more time on their own. Um, mm. So what we, if you had a client in that um space that is actually having real mood problems and when I say mood yeah. I mean like anxiety depression would you be taking them through the same steps or is there a specific advice that you might start with with a client that's coming in and saying look I feel really dep depressed or really anxious um, what would your advice be around that I guess I'd take the same approach as you I think mm -hmm. It should actually be banned that GPs don't dish out antidepressants or anti-anxiety medication to women in this stage of life okay. because yeah. outside of being FIFO mum or kids, empty nesters or any of that, we know that these hormones actually can, it, you know, you can have higher um, rates of depression as such or low mood and all these yes. sort of things. We know that this could actually be, I mean, 
I guess what I'd say is try everything else first. And if that's yeah. not working, you know, we'd look yeah. at what kind of foods are you eating? Are you eating um, really good nutritious foods that can boost your mood and things like that? Are you, again, we come back to journaling, you know, like deal with yeah. your thoughts. What's actually going on for you? Go and go and chat to, you know, someone like yourself, work closely with yourself. Yeah. Um, you know, it's psychological help if that's what's needed. But yeah. really, it's a lot to unpack and process. I think to go, and I'm not anti-medication, don't get me wrong, but I feel to... There's a lot of unless, steps before that is sort of what you're saying. A, unless there's a history of anxiety and depression leading up to this, if this has sort of come out of the blue, I definitely wouldn't go medication first, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. There's so many things we can do with behaviour and lifestyle change. Yeah, yeah. I knew that was going to be your answer, but I wanted, <laughs> did I I wanted get it to right? <laughs> you, you did, you did. We're on the same page. I just know that of like there's a lot of women, and even even if um you're going through this stage and you haven't had that big shift of, of um kids moving out, it wouldn't be unusual that that mood is really affected and that there is so many steps before that medication. And as you said, you're the same as me, we're not anti having the medication but there's so many steps that are is far healthier and long-term productive than that step to, to taking that medication um absolutely. i'm we've got some absolute gold nuggets from this conversation but i'm going to hit you up with a really hard question if you could only give one piece of advice to somebody in this space Ooh, yes. um what would that be now that can be like um come and see me because I can help you with more than one piece of advice. Um, but yes. if somebody is listening to this and going, oh, that's me, that's me, what, what's one piece of advice if they take nothing else from this conversation? What would it be? Look, I would say tune in. Tune in. Your body's trying to communicate with you. It's actually telling, you know, if you've got aches and pains, guess what? That's probably information in the body. You know, give your give your liver and your body some some nutrients that it needs. So, like, tune in, tune in, yeah. note down your symptoms. Do come and chat to me or you know someone in the space, absolutely, and work closely with someone who can help you through it. But your body is always trying to tell you what's going on, and I, so much I, of this doesn't actually need to be the way it is. Perfect. That's exactly what I was going to say. I love your advice because, and I know when it comes to belief, we're sort of stepping into to my space, but there is so many limiting yes. beliefs we have, particularly as women, in the fact that we believe that um, uh, our periods are supposed to be painful. And, you know, or, you know, if that was our mothers or the people around us, if that was their journey, we accept it when it doesn't have to be. We accept a lot of the um, negative um, symptoms from um, menopause and that whole phase because we think that that's the way it has to be because that's what happened to your mother or, or what have you. And what you're saying is when you tune in to you. Exactly you can then come to this phase with a lot more knowledge and then get the support. That's uh, amazing advice. Absolutely. Thank you. If someone's listened to all of this and it's gone, oh, my goodness, this is me, <laughs> I need your help, where can they find you and how can they work with you? What does that look like if somebody's, like, off this podcast and wants to connect? Look, I do have my next hormone. It's an eight-week hormone reset course. The next one's only running next year, though. I ran two this year. So it's online predominantly, but it does involve 
initial consultation with me and then weekly check-ins and uh, I think there's three consultations throughout so it's and then we've got a private Facebook group and things like that so it's really a group of women going through similar things um, there's weekly modules because I find and you'd know this as well with behavior change when we understand why we're implementing the certain changes we're doing we're more likely to stick with it so I've got each week is a 20 minute I try and keep them quite short I think one day is to 20 minutes, but it's sort of presentations just on explaining sort of, you know, I guess more than just the basics, but why why I'm suggesting that we do this, why we take these supplements if we're feeling this way, that sort of stuff. So they can, um, well, excuse the state of my website because we're undergoing a, a major rebranding. Hey, if someone's um, reaching out, they they're, don't, they're not going to care about that. They're just going to want your support. I know, I know. <laughs> But for me, it's cringe now that I know it's I know, now that I know where it's going, you know. Yeah. Uh, but they can reach me at bodyblissbrisbane.com.au. And in there is the hormone reset information through there. They can also email me at odette, O-D-E-T-T-E, at bodyblissbrisbane.com.au if they're interested in a supplement guide. So I do always, I definitely advocate for food first. Yeah. But coming through this period, especially when we are stressed and our body's potentially not absorbing the nutrients as best it can, um, this is a, a supplement guide that I do give to my um, participants within the, the reset. But I'm, I'm happy to give this away. So what it is is a quiz of their particular symptoms. They go through it. It's pretty in-depth. Obviously, some symptoms over, overlap. So one might be, okay, this is pointing towards low testosterone. This is pointing towards this. Then we come together at the end, or in the end anyway, in this guide, it will say, so because you've scored this, this, we suggest these supplements. Uh, okay, yeah. Um, and then I'm happy to talk them through that as well. But just even, just as a little bit of a boost for themselves, just give themselves a bit of a start, you know? Okay, fantastic. So so next year you have the eight-week course, but in the interim they can get in contact and I will put all the links in the show notes. They can get that um, supplement um, quiz and can supplement start guide, support guide, guide, yeah. guide and can um, yeah. start that ball rolling. And then obviously from Absolutely. what you've said today, there is a lot of small um lifestyle changes that they can make and then when the eight-week course is um, starting they're going to start from a really good good place that sounds fantastic I I know like I said before a lot of people sit within this um, bracket and just accept it and it doesn't have to be that way Um, and I think that's why that's why this chat is so valuable and that FIFO partners don't have to tough it through. There's so much we can Absolutely. we can do to look after our bodies. Um, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And as I said, you're absolutely the, welcome. All the links will be in the show notes. And as you said, you've also got um, a way people can contact you directly if they've got any more questions um, about this. Fantastic. Happy to answer any questions. Absolutely. Thanks so much for your time. It was lovely Thank to chat. I can't wait for our next rant of some I, sort. I know, I know. We go. definitely <laughs> need to need to get in another one. Thank you. Yeah.